Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Laura Chapman, the Care and Connections Pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church. We are so glad that you've joined us today for the first week of our series, Finish Strong. Today, you'll hear from Bible teacher and writer, Kelly Minter. She'll be teaching from the first chapter of Joshua, exploring the calling that Joshua had for his life and what that means for us today. Now here's Kelly Minter. Well, good morning, Rolling Hills. It is awesome to be here with you guys live and in Franklin and also to be coming to you in Nolensville, which I was so happy to be with that campus just a few weeks ago. Love it. I've got the picture in my head. So hello to everybody at the Nolensville campus and then, of course, our Nashville campus, which is where I'm typically at. Welcome, you guys. We're so happy to be here um, together, and I'm so thrilled to be with Rolling Hills, my church family today. And I really do say that from the bottom of my heart, because for so many years, I've been traveling all over the place and find myself in different places, and it's so nice on a Sunday morning. Even on a rainy Sunday morning in the middle of fall break, it's nice to say that I'm here with my church family. And of course, we are kicking off a new series today. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and invite you just to get set in Joshua chapter 1. But this series today is called Finish Strong. And I don't know if you're at all like me, but when I heard that that was the name of the series, I thought, um, this is 2020. We didn't even really start strong. And I'm not even really sure that our middle was that strong. I mean, the middle, we were all locked down in our homes. And I mean, this has been a trying year. And out of all of the years that I want to finish a series on, I wouldn't think that Finish Strong is the series that we would necessarily finish on in a year that we didn't really start strong on and didn't really even have a strong middle. But that's also why I'm excited about this because as I got into Joshua chapter one and as I was remembering the story of Israel, they have an opportunity to finish strong and they did not start particularly strong nor did they have a strong middle either. In fact, they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And so we're gonna see today that finishing strong, praise God, does not really have so much to do exactly with how we started or even how the the in-between time was, but it has everything to do with God, his promises, his faithfulness to keep his promises, and most importantly, his presence with us. So that's what we're gonna look at today out of Joshua chapter one. But before we get there, I wanna give you a little bit of a background because even though we're starting at the top of the book of Joshua, we're actually in the middle of a story. We're in the middle of Israel's story, and if we don't understand where we are in the story, it's gonna be difficult for us to pick up in Joshua chapter one. So I'm just gonna give you a brief little background um, I always like to start Israel's story in Genesis chapter 12 because I really believe that that is where Israel's story starts. And so I always go back to Genesis chapter 12, which is when God came to Abraham and he made a covenant with him. And he promised him three things. He promised Abraham land, he promised him descendants, and he promised that through Abraham's descendants, a great blessing would come through that nation to all the nations of the world. So land, descendants, and in a sense, the promise of redemption. And the Israelites are standing at the brink at the top of Joshua chapter 1 of inheriting that land that God had promised them so many years ago to Abraham. A lot of time has gone on between that covenant and between where we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 1. Because after that covenant, Abraham goes into Canaan 
And then we have Isaac, and then we have Jacob, and Jacob marries Rachel and Leah, and there are a couple other maidservants in there as well. And through those, um, those family connections, we have 12 sons. Uh, we know that one of the sons, Joseph, gets sold by his brothers into slavery, and he goes down into Egypt, which was not the promised land. But God is with Joseph in Egypt, and as a result, he spares not only Egypt, but the surrounding nations from famine. His family comes with him to Egypt, and that is where the Hebrew people really grow into a large nation. But after 400 years of being in Egypt, there's a new pharaoh in the land who does not know anything about Joseph, and he begins to oppress the people of Israel, and they're miserable, and they're in bondage, and they're in slavery. And God raises up a man named Moses, to go into Egypt and deliver his people out of bondage. And we know the story where there are plagues and there are miracles that God does. And Moses, in an amazing way, delivers Egypt, uh, excuse me, Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. They, he parts the Red Sea. They go through the Red Sea. It comes up, it closes back up over the Egyptians. And then there they are, the Israelites on their way as a great nation to the promised land but what happens, they get stuck in the wilderness. And when they are about to go into the promised land, into this place that God has promised them, they send a representative from every tribe. So 12 men go in and they explore the land and they see that it's incredible. They see that it's bursting with fruit and, and, and milk and honey and it's amazing. But what happens is 10 of the 12 come back and they report to Moses and the Israelites that the people there are like giants, they said, they're like giants and we're like grasshoppers. There's no way we're going to be able to take this land. And only two people, Joshua and Caleb, stand up and say, yes, we should take it. But the rest say no. And all of Israel at, like, Israel at the time, they wail and they moan and they complain and they rebel against Moses and the Lord. And they say, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to that place of slavery. And it's a disaster. And Moses and Aaron fall on the ground and they're weeping and everybody's wailing. And at that time... God makes a declaration that every single person who is above the age of 20 at that point, they will not see the promised land. They will die in the wilderness. Everybody except for those who are under 20 and Joshua and Caleb. So now another 40 years essentially have passed. And there's a new generation at the brink of the Jordan River to cross over to enter into the promised land. And that is where we pick up. Joshua chapter 1. Would you read with me the first nine verses? After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong. And courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right 
or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. First of all, I want us to see that right at the top, there are many mentions of this man, Moses. And there is a mention of this man, Joshua. And this is a very big deal because think about this. Joshua is standing at the brink of the Jordan with all of the nation of Israel. And he is about to do the thing that Moses did not do. Moses got the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but he did not get them into the promised land. The people for 40 years had gotten out, but they had not gotten in to the place that God wanted them to go into. But we cannot overstate how important it is that at the very beginning of Joshua chapter 1, God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Because how in the world... How in the world are the Israelites going to get into the promised land without Moses? Moses represented God to the people. In fact, at the very end of Deuteronomy, right before Joshua 1 picks up, God himself said that there was no one like Moses. Moses had seen God face to face. He had done unparalleled miracles. Nobody was like Moses. How in the world was this man Joshua going to take the people in. In fact, it's important to know that verses one and five, those verses are, are God directed straight to Joshua. Two, three, and four, it's talking to all the people in Israel, but one and five, he's speaking directly to Joshua because Joshua has to feel inadequate at this point. Another thing to note is that when God directs um, his word to Joshua, back in Numbers, I believe it's in chapter 13, Joshua didn't start out with that name. Joshua's name was originally Hosea, and Hosea means deliverance. But Moses renamed him from Hosea to Joshua because Joshua means Yahweh delivers. See, it wasn't going to be enough for Joshua as a man to deliver the people, but it would be enough for God to deliver the people through Joshua. And that is so encouraging for me today. I hope that that is a word for you today, that we cannot do it on our own strength. We cannot be deliverers on our own. But when God, Yahweh, the personal name of God to his people, he is the one who will <clears throat> deliver his people. So here is Joshua, and most certainly he is thinking, um, the people are going to compare me to Moses and if Moses couldn't get the people in, how am I going to get the people in? And if we hadn't gotten into the promised land yet, how am I going to be the one to do it? But God says in verse 5, and this is so important, he says, nobody's going to be able to stand against you as long as you live. And then he says, and this is, so, this is everything here, I will be with you. This, this should be the defining characteristic of our lives as Christ followers, that God is is with us, that God is with us. 
This is the cry of my heart. If there is anything that I want in life, it is that I want God to be with me, that I want God's hand on my life. And I want believers and unbelievers alike to be drawn to my life, not because I am a deliverer in and of myself, but because God delivers, because God is Savior, because God is Redeemer. He is the only hope that I have in my life. Without him, I have nothing. And so verse 5, this is everything. This is why Joshua can be strong. This is why Joshua can be courageous, not because he has anything in and of himself, but because Almighty God has promised to be with him. This should be the defining characteristic of our lives as believers. I remember, it's probably been, I don't know, seven years ago maybe, but I was about to take my fourth trip to the Amazon jungle. And many of you all know that Justice and Mercy International, the mission arm of Rolling Hills, works in the Amazon. And pretty much every time I have the opportunity to speak on a Sunday morning, I pretty much will share a story about Moldova or the Amazon because these pictures just so are so poignant in my mind. <clears throat> but I remember being... Um, on my friend's porch, and it was the day before we were to leave to go to the Amazon for our fourth trip, and our leader, John Pakalabo, John Pak from England, he's the one that got us all involved in the Amazon. He is the one that had started this work a number of years before, and, and he was the one that I had taken every trip with, him and his wife, Juliet. In fact, I could not even fathom taking a trip to the Amazon without John and Juliet. They were the ambassadors. They were the leaders. They were the ones who knew the jungle, who had all of the relationships. And I will never forget being on my friend's porch and getting a call from John the day we were supposed to, uh, before we were supposed to leave saying that they had a death in their family and that he and Juliet would not be able to go to the Amazon with us. And I promise you that my initial reaction was, oh, well, then we can't go. I mean, we're, we're not go we can't go to the Amazon without John and Juliet. I mean, it's their fault that we're in this in the, in the first place. We can't go, and there's no way. And not only did I not think I could go without them, I did not want to go without them. They were so much fun. They were the fellowship. They were the, I mean, I just didn't think if basically in my mind, it's like if they're not going, God's not going. And if God's not going, I'm not going. And it was that trip because we did go. But it was that trip where God began to shift in my heart and I began to realize that he was calling me and he was calling my, one of my closest friends, Mary Catherine, and he was calling our pastor Jeff and uh, Steve Davis at the time and all these people. He was calling us into the Amazon and we were not enough. And we were deeply feeling the loss and the presence of John and Juliet. But God is enough. And God would be enough, and he would begin to prepare us. And it would be a road, and it would be a journey, but just like Moses was called servant of the Lord, which is a profound mention at the very top of Joshua 1, Joshua would get that title, but he wouldn't get it until the very end of the book of Joshua, till near the end of his life. And, and I realized in that time that I wanted to be like John and Juliet. I wanted to be a servant of the Lord, and he was going to work that out in me, and he was going to give me what I needed. I wonder today, I wonder today if there are some here who have lost someone. Um, maybe it's the actual loss 
of someone to death. Maybe it's because of a move. Maybe it was somebody moving out of your house, but you, you thought that you could do God's will and that you could carry out his will if that person was with you or if that person was leading you, but you don't think that you can do it without them. Well, I want to tell you that at the very top of Joshua 1, the Lord says to Joshua, Moses is dead, but I want you to be strong and I want you to be courageous. Moses might be dead, but I am faithful and I'm faithful to my promises. And I brought you out of Egypt to bring you in to the promised land. Now, after he says the very first time in verse 6 to be strong and courageous, in verse 7 he repeats it. He says, above all, be strong and very courageous. Very courageous. And that is not just an extra little word that is superfluous that he just decides to throw in there. He is specifically saying that he wants the people to be very courageous and strong As it relates to what? To observe carefully, this is verse 7, the whole instruction of my servant Moses commanded you. He says, don't turn from the left, don't turn from the right. He says, I want the word of God, all of that instruction, my actions, my works, my law, I want it to be so deep in you that you are immersed in it, that you are meditating on it in the daytime and at the nighttime, that you are eating and drinking deeply of it, that it is so in you that it is ever on your lips, that you are speaking it, that you know it, that you're not gonna move to the left of it, you're not gonna move to the right of it. And he says, I want you to know it so well and to speak it so well so that you will do it, so that you will live it. Um, We can know it and not do it which makes us hypocrites and makes us Pharisees. This is all about doing it and being in relationship with God. And he says to Joshua and the Israelites, look, when you get into that promised land, it is going to take not just strength and courage, but it is going to take a lot of strength and courage to fully walk in accordance with my word because obedience is challenging and it will require us to be courageous and to be strong, to keep that word, to know it. And as a Bible teacher, you have to imagine that I got pretty excited about this section of the scripture. And one of the commentators said that we cannot possibly overstate the connection between the blessing and the prosperity and the success that God was going to give Joshua and the Israelites. We can't overstate that blessing as it is connected to their walking in obedience. Guys, this is my life message here, right here in this particular chunk, because I don't know if you are like me, but there, just especially in my early years, I just felt like I came out of the womb just longing for the things of this world. I mean, I'm just one, I was just not passive about anything. I was hungry for the things and the pleasures and the comforts and the idols of this world. I mean, if it was out there, there was a lot of it that I wanted. And there were times where it was very difficult to obey God's word. But in first Uh, Corinthians chapter 10, Paul actually gives this example of the Israelites in the wilderness. And he says, look, they were given as an example because they desired evil things, because they were idolatrous, they fell short of getting into the promised land. Yes, they had been 
freed. They had been delivered from the bondage of Egypt, but they fell short of my ultimate goal for them, my ultimate intention for them, which was to live a flourishing life. And I so identify with that because so many times I spent time in the desert, if you will, because I was going after the things of this world and not giving myself to the obedience of Christ. And I praise him that by his grace, there were many times along the way where I got down on my hands and my knees and with just everything in me, opened up my hands to the Lord and said, not my way, but your way, not my will, but your will. Lord, I, I don't like it. I'm mad about it. But I want you and I want your way and I want to live by your word. And nothing, nothing in this world has changed my life like marinating in the pages of scripture and meeting the living God there. This is what is going to take strength and a lot of courage. This is why it, he says, be strong and very courageous. But look at it, what it says down at the very end of verse 8. He says, if you do all of this that I'm telling you, he said, then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. You will prosper and you will succeed in whatever you do. Now, I want to uh, just ask you a quick question. When you think, let's just say that you finish strong at the end of October and you are faithful in all the things that God has called you to, and I were to tell you that on January 1, 2021, you are going to, in an amazing way, God is going to make you prosper and succeed. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Go. When you think prosper and succeed, did you think... I am going to make so much more money in 2021. It is going to be awesome. My job is going to crush. It was hard in 2020, but it is going to, or I am going to meet the man of my dreams, or my kids are going to straighten out, or this one child is going to get a scholarship to Harvard. I mean, prosper and succeed. That, what, what, what was your picture there? Well, I have... Uh, I, I think there's really good news here. The bad news is, is that what it means, prosper and succeed, even here in the Old Testament, does not mean financial prosperity. It could be part of it, but that's not what it means here. Um, I love what this one particular scholar uh, said. He said that um, really this is hardly ever about financial prosperity. Rather, this is speaking of succeeding in life's proper endeavors. Succeeding in life's proper endeavors. Now, that may seem really flat, and really boring, but I'm going to tell you that I believe that what he's saying is true, and I think it's a lot more exciting than it may sound. I believe that this prosperity and this success that God is talking about is that we would be able to live, that everything that we do, because that's what it says, everything that we do, if we're walking in accordance to the will, will prosper and succeed in the things of life that matter. Finances are fleeting. Money is temporary. Certain pleasures, certain power, fame, it's fleeting. It does not satisfy. It would be honestly a huge disappointment if that is what it meant when God said that they would prosper and succeed. If it had to do with those things, it would be a huge disappointment. But it means that we will have success. We will have eternal fruit. I remember, again, standing on the edge of the Amazon with my dear friend Sarah, who is the 
the uh, national director of Justice and Mercy International, and we're standing outside of a shack. And inside that shack is a woman, a friend of mine, and her name is Clarinha. And Clarinha has cerebral palsy. She has laid in a hammock her entire life. She cannot move. She cannot really sit up. She can't walk. She cannot feed herself. She's about my age. And we've been visiting Clarinha year after year after year. And I've told this story so many times. I was never seeking a mission in the Amazon. I wasn't really even seeking mission so much here. But as I began to do what God told the people of Israel to do, to know his word, to walk in accordance with him, to love him, um, the Lord began to change me and he began to change what I saw as prosperity and what I saw as success. And I began to prosper in those good endeavors but it was in a very different way. And I, and I remember leaving Clarinha's house, and I, can't, I don't know how many times we've gone to her house. I mean, so many times, every single time I go to the Amazon. And we had had a particularly meaning, meaningful time with her. And as we were leaving, I'm standing outside that hut, and I, I see Sarah, and we happen to be kind of walking out at the same time. And I just looked at Sarah, and I said, Sarah, I love getting to do this work with you, this is the most important work in the world. And we both started crying and we held on to each other and I really believed it, I really believed it with my whole heart that I was so thankful that God allowed me to be part of what is the most important work in the world. But you know what, the most important work in the world is any work that he has called you to. That's the most important work in the world, anything that has to do with his will. I loved this when I was reading it, when it said you are gonna prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Sometimes we want to exactly know what's the will of the Lord, what is the exact path. You know what? If we're following him and we're walking according to his ways and we're being obedient, obedient, whatever we do is going to prosper and it's going to succeed. Look at verse 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here again, it's repeated. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because you, Joshua, have what it takes? No. Because I am with you. And then he even he even adds more to it. He says, not only do I want you to be strong and courageous, but I do not want you to be afraid or discouraged. Wouldn't, wouldn't those two words, afraid and discouraged, don't they just sum up 2020 in so many ways? There have been a lot of reasons to be afraid. There have been a lot of reasons to be discouraged. And do you know why I believe that God four times in this passage tells us to be strong and courageous? He, he, he tells Joshua and the people to be strong and courageous because there were going to be a lot of reasons not to be. You know, I was thinking that nobody has ever, you know, like on my way out to the grocery store, nobody's ever said, you know, be strong and courageous. In the aisle of Trader Joe's, you know, be strong and courageous when you go out to dinner, or be strong and courageous when you head to the bank to drop off that deposit. Nobody says that. People only tell you to be strong and courageous when you have a lot of reasons not to be those things. And there would be a lot of reasons. They were going to have to cross the Jordan. It was a river of separation. It was swelling. Joshua had a bunch of Israelites that were complaining that had been rebellious. Moses is dead. Lots of reasons not to be strong and courageous. But 
the one reason that they did not need to be afraid or discouraged is because God would be with them wherever they went. All right, I want us to look now at verses 10 and 11. It says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. This is interesting because there are a lot of action words here. He says that I want you to get prepared and I want you to cross the Jordan. I want you to go into the land. I want you to take possession of the land that I am giving you to inherit. And as I was reading that, I thought, Lord, if you, if you were giving the promised land to Israel, couldn't you have just dropped it in their lap? Like, it would have just been so much easier if you could have just like, boom, just dropped it in their lap right there. Or if they had, maybe could have taken a ferry across the Jordan like they were in Disney World or maybe one of those sky trams. I don't know. But why did they have to cross? Why did they have to go in? Why did they have to take? I mean, that's a lot of activity, right? And I realized that I, and I'm so guilty of this, but I have this misconception of, even in my own Christianity, and especially Western Christianity, that if God is blessing us, it will be easy. Does anybody ever else think that? Like, or if God has called me, then surely he is going to just, he is just going to make it so smooth, and he is going to, he is just going to, you know, part that Red Sea, which he did, but we have this misconception that if God's in it or if God's blessing it or if it's a gift from God or if it's a promise, then it's got to be easy. And, and that is just hard to find in Scripture. I would say that occasionally that happens, but that's the exception. That is not the rule. And as I was sitting here preparing, I realized that just because the Lord gives us something doesn't mean it won't require effort to receive it. Just because the Lord gives us something doesn't mean it's not going to require effort from us to go in and receive it, to go in and to take it. Let's keep reading. I love this section. This is so awesome, and I think people skip it a lot. But this really ministered to me. Verse 12, Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, The Lord your God will give you rest, and he will give you this land. Your wives, dependents, and livestock may remain in the land Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but your best soldiers must cross over in battle formation ahead of your brothers and help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he has given you, and they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. You may then return to the land of your inheritance and take possession of what Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on the east side of the Jordan. Okay, this is like this really weird little section that people pass over, but it is so rich. Now, think about the Jordan River, and you think about on the west side of the Jordan River is where the promised land is, is where Canaan was for the people to go and to take. There were 12 tribes in Israel, but two and a half, not three, not two, but two and a half tribes, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh 
had decided that they actually wanted to stay on the eastern side of Jordan, that that was going to be their place. And they worked it out with the Lord. They worked it out with Moses. So somehow they pushed this thing through. But their promised land, their possession, was going to be on the east side of the Jordan or the Transjordan is what they were calling it. They had already settled. They had already found this rest that God had promised his people. But they had also made a deal with Moses back in Numbers, and they said, basically the Lord had told them, and he's repeating it here, that yes, even though you have found your place, and even though you are rested, you are going to send your best men, and it's going to be a sacrifice, because your best men are going to have to leave their wives and their children and, and their cattle behind, but they are going to go ahead of the rest of Israel, and they are going to forge through the Jordan, and they are going to fight and take possession of that uh, land on the west side of the Jordan, and they are going to get their brothers and their sisters and their children settled. And once they too have found their rest, then they will be able to return to their place on the east side of the Jordan. I hope that that makes sense and that everybody's tracking here. But this was so exciting and so important to me. I loved what um, one of the scholars uh, said, if I can find it here. Um, Let's see here. I don't know why I have these notes up here because half the time I can't find anything. This is the 830 service, right? So we're good. Um, oh, I can't find it. Anyway, basically, this whole idea of being part of the church is, is by nature, it's a group activity for us. And Israel was not going to let their brothers go forward until everybody was settled. They were not going to take their rest until the entire nation had taken their rest together. That was what is important here. And I, I just want to say to you today that maybe 2020 has not been that bad of a year for you. Maybe you have had an incredible amount of prosperity. Maybe spiritually it has been a place of peace and rest and prosperity for you. Well, let me tell you, you have a responsibility to your brothers and sisters. We have a responsibility to help other people find their place of rest. We do not want to leave anybody in Egypt, and we do not want to leave anybody in the wilderness. And it will require sacrifice on our part. But what a beautiful picture here that these men went through a cross, and they settled the people of Israel on the other side. Let's finish up this passage, uh, verse 16. They answered Joshua, everything you have commanded us, we will do. And everywhere you send us, we will go. We will obey you just as we obeyed Moses and everything. Certainly the Lord, your God, will be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your order and does not obey your words and all that you command him will be put to death. Above all, be strong and courageous. Do you see there in verse 16? It says, everything you've commanded us, we will do in everywhere. You tell us to go, we will go. In other words, whatever you want us to do, we will obey. Wherever you want us to go, we will obey. And that's what I want to end with today. I believe that to get out of Egypt, it takes faith. If we're looking at um, this in modern New Testament terms, it takes faith in Jesus Christ as the one who forgives us of our sins and who's paid the penalty for us so that we might be in relationship with God. But so many of us stop there and we stay in the wilderness and we fall short of the place that God has called us into. 
And if it takes faith to get out of Egypt and into the wilderness, it takes obedience to get out of the wilderness into the promised land. In Hebrews chapter four, the author of Hebrews says that if Joshua could have offered a final rest for the people of Israel, we would not still be talking about a present rest. And that rest comes by faith, it becomes by belief, it, becomes, it comes through obedience in Jesus Christ. And I wanna invite you to that place of rest, to that place of freedom today. Um, perhaps today, for the very first time, you are desperate for freedom, you are desperate to know that your sins are forgiven, that you can be strong and courageous, not because you are a deliverer, but because God is a deliverer. And if that is the cry of your heart, I would say, Call out to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will be saved. And for those of you who have already put your trust in Jesus Christ, but you know you are wandering in the wilderness, you know you're not living the fullness of Christ in the here and now. You don't have that peace. You don't have that, that abundance of life. It comes through obedience. It comes through obedience to God's word, and it comes to following Jesus Christ. Would you be willing today to pray with me a prayer of surrender and a prayer of commitment to obey him? That is how we cross the Jordan. That is how we get into the land of promise that we were created to live in. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we don't wanna be like the idolaters of Israel in the wilderness. We want to not just be out of Egypt in the land of slavery. We want to live in Canaan. And I believe that Canaan is, is not just heaven when we die, but it is Christ in us now. Lord, I repent of the ways that I have tried to find my own promised land. I repent of the ways that I have tried to find that place myself. And today, I relinquish my right to my own path and my own course. And today, I am strong and I am courageous because you have commanded me to be so and because you are with me and because your promises never fail. And today, I wanna turn away from Egypt. I wanna turn away from the wilderness and I want to obey you in all things. And so I relinquish those things, God, that are not pleasing to you. And I choose to obey you, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. Thanks for listening. We're thankful for you.